a Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm not here with my co-host, Lee. I'm Lee, and I'm not here with my co-host, Peter. And we're also joined by our other not-here co-ho- not co-host, Trial Andy. Hello. Welcome. That's- Yep, that's how he talks. <laughs> Hello. He's been playing too much of this game. It's rubbed off on him. He's talking yeah. like Duke. <laughs> uh, you're joining us for a major disaster brought to you by me. Uh, before we get into that, I'll just do the housekeeping that we normally do. Uh, if you're new here, welcome. We recommend starting at the beginning if you're brand new and want to get caught up, because uh, why start anywhere else? Am I right? That's right. Best part of waking up is a disaster <laughs> in your cup. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> It's catchy. It's not because we do like inside jokes, but it's because we'll call back to previous episodes. I do it a couple times in this one. And if you want to be in the know, that's the best way to do it. And if you get through all that and you liked what you heard, the best thing you can do to help us out is to tell a friend to listen. You can also subscribe and leave a rating, a review. Those are fantastic and very helpful. You can check us out on social media at This Disaster Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook on our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. And you can become a patron on our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. Tons of bonus content, micro disasters every two weeks discount codes on merch and all that great stuff and with that i think i think maybe i'll just get into it peter get into it i'm gonna get into it let's have it come get some (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah perfect i like it i humbly request that trial andy's contributions are limited to quotes from (laughs) two three (laughs) doing good so far (laughs) (laughs) so i've had quite a few pop culture formative experiences in my life Things like uh, Captain Picard teaching me deep, enduring lessons about morality and its consequences. Okay. okay. Like in the Next Generation episode, Peak Performance, when he tells Data, it is possible to commit no mistakes and still lose. That's not weakness. That's life. Mm. At at 10 years old. It's like, what's a profound lesson? Holy (laughs) shit. From that to Bush X, if you're Canadian in the 90s. (laughs) Teaching me that music could help you process emotions when I listened to Alien on repeat to deal with the idea of my girlfriend at the time potentially moving to Australia. Oh. <laughs> Say what you will about Bush X. I'm going to call him Bush X. I'd prefer it if you would, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Say what you will about Bush X. That's still a solid song. And 16 Stone is also an album I had on heavy rotation right around the time I was setting myself for one of my most significant pop culture lessons. Life is a disappointment sprinkled with just enough hope to keep you going. <laughs> Is that a quote from somebody? Is that you? No, that's that's me. That's good. I because, like it. And, and, and in ca- that'll be on your tombstone. <laughs> Life is a disappointment sprinkled with just enough hope to keep you going. Yeah. Soon Peter to be father of two Peter Zacher. And, <laughs> and in case it isn't abundantly obvious, because why would it be? Today, we're talking about Duke Nukem Forever. We are. And, and you'll understand how it taught me the lesson that I was just talking about. <laughs> so it's coming up on about a year since we did our first disaster episode about video games. And that was Daikatana, episode 32. Yeah. Uh, also with Trial Andy. Yeah. And we promised we would put him through, I mean, have him play another game. So <laughs> that's why he's back. Um, so anyway, I'm not going to go all the way to the history of like computers and video games. If you want to do that, check out episode 32. And also Lee did a bit of that in 35 and a half, the tragedy Tuesday about the legendary E.T. landfill. That's right. And patrons can also check out trial Andy's playthrough of E.T. for the Commodore 64. That's true as well. Had a lot of fun. That with didn't that go one. well. It's <laughs> a sad moment. Yeah. <laughs> I just felt sad the whole time. So become a patron to see Trial Andy be sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Still, I'll start at the beginning. The first Duke Nukem game was released in 1991 as a two-dimensional platform game, side-scroller. Like at the time, a lot of the P- a lot of PC games that were coming out, Commander Keen as well, they were essentially like Mario clones. Right. It featured three episodes, with the first being released as Shareware. And this was actually two years before Doom did the same thing, like released the first episode of Shareware and okay. sort of getting you hooked for the rest of the game. So that was kind of innovative of them. Uh, and the game was developed by Apogee Software Productions, which would later become 3D Realms in 1996. Quick sidebar about Apogee. Even if even if you haven't really played an Apogee game, you probably recognize Apogee, and you have actually probably played an Apogee game. The company was founded by Scott Miller and George Broussard, who are two friends that programmed text adventures together on their high school's Apple II, which sounds familiar if you remember Daikatana and John Romero that's yeah. sort of where he cut his teeth yeah, yeah they both took jobs in an arcade after graduation and Miller went to college but dropped out to focus on video games again okay. sounds kind of familiar from the John Romero story yeah similar path yeah there'll be a, there'll be a couple similarities so if you if you don't start at the beginning of every episode go back and listen to Daikatana because there'll be some insight to be yeah. gleaned from that <laughs> so Miller began to develop video, uh, video games in the mid 1980s releasing Beyond the Titanic and Supernova as shareware games in 1986-1987 okay. and he made about 10,000 for both games which is pretty sweet not bad for an indie like a yeah exactly like one dude making a video game Sure. All right. Miller then developed what was called the Apogee model, but it's also commonly known as the drug dealer model of giving you a taste and getting you hooked. Aha. Uh-huh. Which is essentially <laughs> like what they ended up using for Doom, where they essentially where they would give you a portion of the game, say like an episode or a couple levels. Right. And then after those levels, a mailing address would come up where you'd essentially write in and send the money and then, then they would send you the rest of the game. On a floppy Boom. disk. Flop exactly. Floppy, floppy disk. Or I think even eighty seven. I remember this might have still been the time when they would send it sometimes send it to you on uh cassette <laughs> yeah cassette they used to do cassette or i remember i think it was john romero would publish some games as code in magazines oh, that you would just enter crazy. yourself just... and then run that's so <laughs> funny yeah so i'm not sure if it was that might have been earlier than this but <laughs> it is it is nuts i mean it's also i was thinking about thinking back to it where a game like an entire game fit on one floppy disk yeah yeah, which yeah. Was three and a half megs like I don't I can't start my computer I can click my mouse without using three and a half megs <laughs> yeah, of my hard drive anymore <laughs> so in 1987 Apogee released Kingdom of Cross and netted a decent financial base on which they would build their empire shortly after this Broussard came back into the fold along with Ted Replogle who would have a hand in all three of the original Duke Nukem games and also if you've ever played Balls of Steel for Windows does not. that ring a bell it was one of those games that came with Windows that was made by, well, ultimately it was made by Apogee Software. I think it was, uh, it was like under a moniker called like Pinball Wizards or something. Oh, uh, but yes, ma- yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, but it was made by Apogee Software. Okay. So that's okay. these guys. I can picture it. If you had a Windows computer in the 90s, yeah, yeah, then yeah. yeah, it's one of the games that came with it. Okay. I was really good at Minesweeper. I could never figure out what to do in Minesweeper. <laughs> Just made me feel my, like an idiot. Yeah. My, my dad taught me once and I got like really good at it. And I remember one time I finished like expert mode under a minute and I was like, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> Mastered it. So originally they started developing this, this new game and they called it Duke Nukem, but they realized that Duke Nukem was actually a character in a TV show called Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Okay. We're probably familiar with. Uh, um, so the name was changed to Duke Nukem. So N-U-K-U-M instead of N-U-K-E-M. Right. Nuke them. Sort Is of. he an enemy yeah. on Captain Planet, I'm assuming? 
Uh, yeah. Right. Which is also sends mixed messages. If you listen to this podcast, we're <laughs> we're pretty pro nuclear. So if they're saying that Duke Nukem is a bad thing, well, nuke like drop I guess a it's po- warhead on them. Well, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Captain Planet dealt with dread of nuclear warfare. <laughs> Probably I'm not. not. Sure. I think it was a kids show. It was a little after my time. I didn't really have. You know. <laughs> oh, fair enough. Yeah. But we have talked about Captain Planet before. And let's take a moment to offer our <laughs> condolences to Hart, the lamest of the planeteers. Our condolences. Did you, did you, do you remember? You got you remember the lamest that? power. Oh, yeah. That's so, yeah, like, because they all had rings, right? There was like five of them or whatever. And yeah. in the opening sequence, you would see them and they'd be like, wind, water, fire. And like, that's stuff that they could control those elements. And I guess to the last guy and he's like, Hart. And I think he was the smallest. <laughs> he was. Like physically drawn as the smallest character, like the yeah. kind of the kid brother of the group. He was like yeah. morale. Like he just. Yeah, went. I guess so. They tried okay. to pitch it as like, he's the glue that kind of holds them together. But yeah. it's like, you know what? I think the guy that can like whip up a fire tornado is the glue that holds everyone together. So. Yeah. No one's <laughs> uh, in the playground going, I'll be Hart. <laughs> why are Everyone's you here fighting over the fire guy <laughs> what can i do i could really use a coffee <laughs> yeah, i'm on it but anyway after digging deeper the apogee team realized that the name duke nukem wasn't trademarked it was just hmm. they just used it in the show so they said fuck it it's duke nukem All right yoink so the first game was released in 1991 and was set in 1997 with duke nukem attempting to stop dr proton from taking over the world with an army of tech bots cool <laughs> and did you play did you play that one Oh yeah, I remember originals? the original one. Yeah, the original side scroller. Yeah, the cool th- the cool part about that, if I remember correctly, was that you you could kind of like hand over hand, like kind of monkey bar climb yeah. over certain things. Like there'd be a little yeah a little like wire above you, and you had to cover an uh, a crevasse or something. You yeah this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then also the gun, like you'd you wouldn't necessarily get different guns, but the gun. How did the beam could get extended yeah. longer and longer or something like that? Yeah. 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 You get like upgrades, I think. It's a bit, in that respect, it was a bit like Contra. Mm. You know? Oh, like, yeah. I never, never played Contra. Love okay. Contra. Okay. Sounds like you'd love Duke Nukem. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but also thinking back on it, these were also simpler times in PC gaming. Like there was no, have you ever played Call of Duty and there's that mission, No Witnesses? Where essentially you play as the terrorist and the mission ends with you like killing everybody and like these innocent civilians in a mall. <laughs> like, yeah, no, you're <laughs> stopping tech bots sent by Dr. Proton from space. Yeah. So, you know, so simpler time. Yeah. <laughs> not everything needs to be gritty is what no, I'm saying. No, not everything <laughs> needs lore. <laughs> no. <laughs> and this did reasonably well. It sold 70,000 copies, which again, I... It's good. pretty good for a game made by two dudes, essentially. Oh, yeah. Maybe That's three. punk rock gold. So two years later, Apogee released Duke Nukem 2, which had four episodes and eight levels. Eight levels each, that is. And it was set in 1998. And this time, Duke Nukem was kidnapped by Reg- Regal... Reg- Regal... Regal... A bunch of aliens. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't. I can't even. I'm no. looking at it. They kidnap him so they can use his brain to plot their invasion of Earth. And in a turn of events as shocking as Apogee's decision to make a sequel to a successful franchise, Duke escapes and saves Earth. Hey. Uh, and actually, Duke, I think Duke Nukem 2 is where I first encountered Duke Nukem. Yeah. And this was actually personal sidebar about my friend Alex. And now, Lee, your friend Alex. My <laughs> new friend Alex. He's my Dawn's friend Day. too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, and yeah, he's, but old he's been your friend Alex. for a long time. A guy who's, I know what his voice sounds like. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but I remember visiting my buddy Alex and learning about B, I don't. Do you ever use BBS like the bulletin board systems early on? No, I knew about it, but it was sort of like 
So it's like well, early days of the internet. BBSs yeah. were essentially chat rooms and they'd have like file repositories and other features. I came over to Alex's one day and he had just finished downloading this new game, Duke Nukem 2, from one of the BBSs that he, that he <laughs> frequented. I remember at the time it was fun, but it didn't really grip me. Like it was, I played it a bunch. I don't know if, I, I think I beat it, but it was like, yeah, that was, that was cool. I guess I'll go back to Doom. <laughs> and nothing has changed running yeah running theme at the time doom was always like 1993 doom was always my touchstone i'd play other games but then i'd be like eh, doom eh, time for doom again <laughs> now it's doom eternal yeah <laughs> but it didn't really grip me but then came duke nukem 3d apogee took one look at doom and said give me some of that because mm. at this point duke one and two were side-scrolling adventures mm-hmm. but doom basically came on the scene and made cash like hand over fist i remember i, I read somewhere that when they released it id software was making something like a hundred thousand dollars a day Jeez. just on people buying it so much i right. think uh i don't know the stats overall now but like it, it sold like hotcakes and i remember it was also equally pirated but still yeah it was everywhere so 3D Realms is like, uh, yes, please. <laughs> so now instead of side-scrollers, Duke would explore his world in first person uh, and took the gameplay into much more detailed environments than Doom. So it wasn't really, like Doom was, it's awesome. It has its own aesthetic, but it's more or less limited to corridors and sci-fi settings. You do some stuff in hell. Right. Doom 2 expanded on a little bit. Duke 3D really took that to the next level. If D- Lee, did you play Duke 3D? No, and it's, I've never played a Duke Nukem game, uh, but okay. I always assumed it was... What you like a dooms like a first person yeah 3D experience. Yep. I never knew it was a side scroll at the start. To start, yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. it, it was first person and it really was like they they focused on being as realistic and urban as possible in their environments. Yeah. So it's a very similar engine to Doom, but much more interactivity. Uh, you know, you, you could like shoot out vents and cr- climb through sewers and that kind of things. It also introduced the idea of underwater areas, which was a new thing. Like okay. in Doom, you could always walk on the water, but in Duke, you can actually go underwater. Yeah. And the shrinking. And the shrinking. There was a shrink ray where like you could like <laughs> shoot enemies, shrink them, and then stomp on them. And oh, it nice. just It also inter- uh, it allowed you to interact with the environment way more, like way beyond flipping switches. In Doom, you could blow holes into walls, like actually explode them and have like a giant hole that you'd walk through. You could flush toilets, drink water from water fountains, that kind of thing. Okay. You tip strippers. You should always tip your strippers. Yeah. Did I mention it was also aimed directly at male teenagers? No. <laughs> Very obviously the target audience. Right. You didn't mention the strippers. No, no. It also it was also augmented by Duke having a voice. So right. Duke Marine had like grunts, but Duke's basically wisecracking the whole time. Yeah, catchphrase. And a lot of pop references, which talk, which we'll talk about. So the voice was by John St. John, who was a top 40 DJ in LA at the time. Okay. And the voices, like the voiceover part was also super not politically correct. Sure. And we'll we'll talk about that again <laughs> in a bit. Got <laughs> it. It was a different time, but... Yeah. So Duke 3D was set in the early 21st century and Duke would travel through streets, military bases, space stations, and moon bases, and even at Japanese restaurants to save Earth from an alien invasion. Mm. An excuse to shoot guns and tip surface. Tip surface. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, A big part of the game was also the pop culture references, and that'll be important later on. Like you'd, you'd come across these women trapped in alien pods. Like the aliens would, they came to Earth essentially to like, I, I think the idea was to capture our women and impregnate them like an alien. Okay. So you'd find them in these pods and they would say like, kill me, like Mary and aliens. Yeah. That yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. You can also find some notable corpses. Like you can find the T-800 from Terminator in one of the levels. Yeah. Indiana Jones. And you actually see the Doom Marine at one point. So 
<laughs> like it was pretty irreverent in that respect. They just pull on all these sources and have all these references. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty cool in that respect. And that was kind of key, a key part of it. It was kind of neat seeing a game reference all this stuff that you also like as a kid at the time. He's like a early version of Deadpool almost. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, the yeah. guns were pretty good. Like the weapon. Yeah. I mean, if you're talking in comparison to Doom at the time, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, what can we offer that's yeah kind of unique to our game? So it was like, instead of the double barrel shotgun, you had like a SWAT, police SWAT style shotgun. Yeah. And yeah, you'd yeah. actually see the shells like pop out the side. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. And, um, <laughs> You know, things like that. And then the pipe bomb was also the the big one. You know, yeah, where you'd, pipe bomb. Yeah, basically, yeah. I feel like what one to five is kind of like the standard that you get in a lot of video games. You know, like pistol, shotgun, some kind of machine Snipe. gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then rocket launcher. But then beyond that, you'd get like freeze ray, shrink ray, <laughs> a different kind of rocket launcher that was like double barreled and would fire like a massive amount of rockets. You'd have a jet pack. Yeah, you, like, could, you could fly. That was the cool part yeah. as well. <laughs> Trip mines, I remember you'd put on walls. So like, wow, really like took it up a notch. Were they using that like Quake engine or, or whatever no, it was? No, it, it, it was, I think, I think it was their own engine, but okay. it's, it's very reminiscent of the Doom engine. So they just saw Doom like, and were like, oh, we can do that. Yeah, basically. And, do it, and, and I think they were knew they could do it better because in fairness, yeah. it, it, it is an yeah. improvement. You know, like okay. yeah, yeah. In, ter- in terms of like interface technology, it's the next step. All right. Yeah. But it's still a pseudo 3D engine, meaning it's 3D environments with 2D sprites. Sprites. Uh, so like it, it looks like Doom. Like, you know, things always turn to sort of face. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. So Duke 3D blew the doors off for 3D Realms, formerly Apa- uh, Apogee, like I said. Okay. So same company. They're not called, they're not called 3D Realms. So they released in January 1996, and it was a commercial and critical success. It sold over three and a half million copies and got its fair share of perfect review scores from magazines. Mm-hmm. Because again, it's it's sort of, you know, in an era where things were called Doom clones, it was one of the first games that really like set itself apart from Doom. There was also controversy over the game at the time. So a lot of outlets sold censored versions following allegations that the game promoted pornography which okay. are very, very well-founded if you play the game. <laughs> it was one of those games, my family computer, I would play it on my family. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the era where you have your own computer. <laughs> right. So it was yeah. like, I didn't want to play it room. if my parents were around, you know, or especially oh, my yeah. mom. Like, I was like, uh, are they going out for yeah. a while? Like, I'll play the game then. Or, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You want absolutely. a bed? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, I, had the, I, had, I had the note to talk about this later, but it's better to talk about it now. My other friend, Tim, who's now also a Lee's friend. That's right. <laughs> I, sh- I should say Andy and I's other friend. Friends too. with his voice. So his dad had Duke 3D installed on his computer. <laughs> and like we'd always do sleepovers and we'd basically wait for his dad to go to sleep so we could sleep, sneak onto his computer and play Duke 3D because it's the kind of game where it's like, you know, you're, I guess, what, 12 or something. Yeah. It's still like on that edge of like, no, you can't play this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. But dad, we want to tip strippers. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> if my parents only knew. There's that. <laughs> but anyway, so like Australia released the game with an easily defeated parental lock. When have those ever worked? <laughs> uh, Brazil, Brazil banned the game outright along with all other first person shooters. Hmm. And most of the criticism was leveled at the portrayal of women who are basically objects and sexualized motivation for Duke curb stomping aliens. Right. Which, I mean, that that's essentially his whole character. But So, with the massive door-smashing success of Duke 3D, 3D Realms was now faced with a difficult question. 
do we make a sequel to this smash? Who am I kidding? They were already, they're working on it like immediately. <laughs> like it goes out the door. They sell millions of coffee copies and they're like, yeah, let's do that again. Yeah. So <laughs> sequel, sequel. Uh, so George Broussard announced the development of Duke Nukem 4 on April 17th, 1997, with the goal of releasing it in mid-1998. One-year right. turnaround, which is ambitious and yeah. a timeline we've encountered before, Daikatana, but we'll see how it goes, you know. <laughs> and E.T. And E.T. Well, yeah, let's let's see what happens. You know, Rush anything, it. sky's the limit. Exactly. Early into the game's development, the team felt that the build engine, and that's the engine that they used to make Duke 3D, was out of date. It was called the build engine. Okay. It was still, like I said, a pseudo 3D engine, so 3D environments with 2D sprites, and they wanted to, they looked around at other games coming out, and they wanted to do something a bit more sophisticated. So now they're seeing, like, Quake 2? Exactly. Which is actually 3D. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which also, to be fair, like, Quake 1 came out along the way, but at this point in time, I think, I think... Yeah, I think Quake came out in 96, and so did Duke 3D. So there was still that, there was that time where there was like that overlap, where yeah. Quake was a novelty. Not everybody could run it, though, because it needed a bit more of a robust system. Oh, so, okay, okay. you know, Duke 3D and Quake were more or less competitors. Okay. Or at least out at the same time. Luckily, Broussard was likely standing shoulder to shoulder with John Romero as he witnessed the wonder of the Quake 2 engine demoed by id Software. Yeah. So just like Ion Storm, 3D Realms decided to license the Quake 2 engine upon which they would develop their new Duke Nukem game. Okay. Good move. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it is. It's becoming the industry standard. And yeah, it's the it. move. Uh, the reasoning was sound. It would be easier to license an engine than build one on their own, and especially since they were looking at a one-year turnaround. This was the best way forward. And by all accounts, things are going well. September 1997, PC Gamer published the first screenshots from Duke Nukem 4, okay. which would be worrying if anyone knew that 3D Realms didn't actually get their hands on the Quake 2 code until November 1997, <laughs> but just hand wave that Hope one. spring's eternal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. You know, we, it's a screenshot. Who cares? Mm. Still, by the time the 1998 Electronic Entertainment Expo, or E3, rolled around, 3D Realms had made progress and put together a trailer for the game. It's okay. actually available on YouTube. I'll, I'll probably link it in the description. Okay. And honestly, if that's the game they had released in 1998, I think it would have been pretty friggin' sweet. Okay. Like it it basically looked like Half-Life, but it was Duke Nukem. Okay. You used the word if there, so uh Well it didn't come out. I'm guessing. You know what podcast you're listening to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just playing. But along. like in in that trailer, like you're riding on the back of a there's one sequence where you're like riding on the back of a truck, shooting down planes that are flying by. And like for nineteen ninety eight, that looked pretty awesome. I wanted to play that game. <laughs> okay, great. So it was good news all around. Quake 2 was doing the trick and 3D Realms was on track to release the game in 1998. Okay. And it was also around this time that I went to Electronics Boutique, as it was known at the time. It's now EB Games owned yep. by GameStop. Yep. Uh, and pre-ordered my copy of Duke Nukem Forever, leaving a deposit of $5. Oh, really? 1998. <laughs> yeah, okay. I remember it vividly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> remember that pop culture lesson I was telling you about? Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> With everything, everything coming up Duke Nukem Forever, 3D Realms decided... That's the name of the game, by the way. I've been calling it Duke Nukem 4, but they called it Duke Nukem Forever. So they were calling it that even... Then. Yeah. Okay. By, by like, 98, they had nailed the name down. By, by right. that E3, they had announced that it's called Duke Nukem Forever. Okay. So 3D Realms decided to... And if you listen to our Daikatana episode, mm-hmm. you guessed it, change to the Unreal Engine. Oh, As that's... a quick refresher, if you haven't listened to the Daikatana episode, switching <laughs> game engines isn't trivial. So the analogy that I used when we were recording Daikatana was basically <laughs> recording an entire album, like yeah. finishing it, yeah. 
getting to the end and then deciding that you should actually re-record the whole album with completely different instruments and everyone playing a different instrument than one that they're comfortable with. <laughs> That's just details. So this was like this was months after their successful showing at E3. 3D Realms announced that they were switching to the Unreal Engine, but Broussard assured everyone that the Switch wouldn't delay the game more than six months tops, and they wouldn't lose any of the content that they showed at E3. <laughs> you can totally imagine, like, John Romero in the corner being, like, giving them the silent thumbs up, like, <laughs> yeah, you got this. Yeah. Because he's, he's making Daikatan at the same time. the same thing. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're doing it. They're not worried, so... Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm good. John Romero made fucking Doom and Quake, so I think he knows how to make a yeah, video game. We'll, we'll take our cues from him. In reality, everything was thrown out and they had to start it over completely. Really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't. You so, don't. Say. Hey, can you um? Can we just change all the guitars to tubas? <laughs> uh. No. Thanks to the change, as 1999 came to an end, the game was still largely unfinished and had missed several release dates. Uh, I mean, I gotta figure once you miss that initial yeah. goal, you don't hit it, that it, you just lose a lot of your inertia. We've been there, right? Yeah. Like, you set yourself a deadline <laughs> and you miss it and you're like, well, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, like, it's, it's the same as the Daikatana, you know, by that point... Yep. There's so many more competitors. Yeah, that too. You know what I mean? It's like consoles are now pretty much outpacing PC games. Yeah. As you know, you've got all these other options. Yeah. So you're losing Steam. You've got to restart and everyone's better doing yeah. better. Yeah. Than yeah. Everyone's <laughs> leaving you sitting in the dust. You're kind of upping the ante. So like, well, now I got to make it better. Yeah. And like company yeah. software developers are yeah. software developers are coming up with brand new games that are exactly uh, the students you know, are quickly becoming the masters yeah. while you're like, yep. uh, how do we keep up with these guys? <laughs> My five bucks still sat at EB game. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Beyond, beyond the engine change, Romero, uh, I mean, Broussard, kept wanting mm. to add features to the game. Because <sighs> it turns out downward spirals have a lot of parallels. <clears throat> <laughs> sure do. It became a joke at 3D Realms to stop Broussard from seeing new games because he would always <laughs> want to include portions of those in Duke Nukem Forever. <laughs> That's amazing. He'd always, I guess he would always come in and be like, oh, I played this amazing new game. Can we put this in ours? Right. And everyone would be like, oh, fuck. fuck. And he's in charge. So what do you say? No. Right. <laughs> E3 2001 comes around. Mm-hmm. Remember, done in a year, released by 1998. Uh -huh. E3 2001 comes around, and 3D Realms has a new trailer for Duke Nukem Forever. Okay. And again, to be fair, it's fucking amazing. Okay. You can find it on YouTube, and it's it's just like the one in 1998. If this is the game that they had released in 2001, it would have been awesome. All right. There's a quote from IGN, and it it like if you watch the trailer exactly, and if you like watch watch the trailer, bringing yourself back to 2001. IGN said, quote, characters come to life with picturesque facial animations that synced perfectly with speech, hair that swings as they bob their heads, and eyes that follow gazes and more. Hmm. Which in 2001, like that's, that's pretty leading edge stuff. Yeah, unheard of. Yeah. So 3D Realms left being the kings of E3 2001 because everybody was talking about this new trailer. Yeah. And they leveraged this momentum to flash forward two years to 2003 and still not release the game. <sighs> Why? I remember 3D Realms was known for having this infuriating catchphrase when it's done, <laughs> when it came to release dates. Like you'd go on their website and it'd be like, Duke Nukem Forever, release date when it's done. <sighs> but still, if, if you frequented their forums, like 
someone who paid five dollar down payment in 1998 <laughs> yeah. could really use the money <laughs> <laughs> like if you go to their forums you'd pick up bits and pieces like 3d realms saying that the game would be out by the end of 2004 or more like the beginning of 2005 which it was not in part because in 2004 after six years developing the game using the unreal engine <laughs> 3d realms switched to the doom 3 engine oh uh, the doom 3 so. engine yeah, because Doom 3 had come out by this oh, point. For f- Remember how Duke Nukem 3D built off the momentum built by the first Doom that came out in 1993? Yeah, like blew it out of the water, <clears throat> sounds like. Yeah. Or, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. now Doom 3 is out, and they're using that engine. So instruments out the window, erase the tapes. <laughs> yeah. We're starting over. Erase the tubas. We're adding glockenspiel. And in January 2006... January 2006, mm-hmm. George Broussard did an interview where he said the game was basically done and they were just putting it together and trying to make it fun which is what you want to hear trying to make it fun <laughs> basically done but we're we're just we're just trying to make it you know what's that word fun fun uh, we're trying uh, to make it fun enjoyable yeah. for the 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 <laughs> player wow that's uh, a vote of confidence right there and just to illustrate what a goldfish broussard was when it came to new features <laughs> yeah one or one room at feature was the ability to use an in-game computer to send actual emails to people that's fun <laughs> I, yeah, that would be kind of neat did you did you play doom 3 yes so i could totally see where that came from because one of the features in doom 3 is you'd like walk up to computers and you could actually use them like a computer you'd have like a mouse well yeah you, you have your to. own little uh an iPad thing. iPad, basically, yeah. with these, yeah, yeah, these yeah. messages on it. Stuff. Exactly. But then, I don't know if you remember, you could actually walk up to the computers in the environment. And, like, when you'd, when you'd walk up to them, yes. then you'd start, like, use the cursor on them. And, like... Yes, that's right. So I could see him seeing that. Well, like, 100%, Broussard saw that and was like, let's make that. We need that. Something. <laughs> yeah. Throughout this pu- ordeal, publishers just kept coming and going. And at this point in the development, the publisher was Take-Two Interactive. Okay. Who offered a five hundred thousand dollar bonus if the game was released by the end of two thousand six, <laughs> and that was exactly the motivation Three D Realms needed to still not release the game. Man, it's so funny. Like I have a podcast in the in the wings that is so similar to this. <laughs> I just had to say it because you're like awesome. it's like you're reading from my notes. Anyway, continue. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also like when I when I put this together and I look back on it. Almost more so than Daikatana. A lot of parallels with something like Brian Wilson's Smile, uh-huh. the episode that we did. Yeah. Episode uh, 29 about Brian Wilson's Smile. Same kind of thing. Just like futzing with it and like tweaking and Tweak. being like, oh, this would be cool. And, yeah. and that would be cool. I just and heard this that. new sound, man. Let's let's bring yeah. it in. And yeah. yeah. It just goes to show that people are very similar across, yeah. you know, decades yeah. of time and different you know, music yeah. or video games or whatever. Because you know? there's no there's no question that these guys that were making this game were like artists and visionaries to a certain extent. Because like mm. they make du- they made Duke 3D. Yeah, that came yeah. out of nowhere essentially, yeah. and that you know they've got it in them. But constraints, man. Exactly. L- let it go. Make the next one. The mm-hmm. next one will be better. Exactly. By this point, the staff was sick of working on Duke Nukem Forever, as you can imagine. No way. Because just like, uh, if you remember, just like the crew at Ion Storm, a lot of the workers, or a lot of the people that worked on Duke Nukem Forever were there for so long that it's basically all that's on their resume. <laughs> yeah. So, like, what did you do? Great. <laughs> well, I worked on Duke Nukem Forever from 1998 to 2007. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, I, yeah. I worked on basically three different games. They're all Duke Nukem Forever, but, you know. <laughs> I'm took, an expert in three engines. It took me forever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that 
that was a joke around the office, I bet. I bet. Oh, another one that came up all the time. I think it was Norm, actually, that told it to me the first time was DNF, DNF. Did not finish. Duke Nukem Forever did not finish. <laughs> so between 2005 and 2006, nearly a dozen employees left 3D Realms, mostly from the Duke Nukem Forever team. Surprise, surprise. Mm. Sorry, can I can I just yep. interrupt for a sec? For, sure. For listeners out there, mm-hmm. what are some of the other titles that came out from that, oh. from 3D Realms? Do you have any that come to mind? Good so they question. made Shadow War. They made Shadow Warrior after Duke 3D. Right. Can't remember the year. I, remember that I feel one, like actually. that was I played that one going into high school, so that would have been like 98, I think. I feel it was extremely oh. in retrospect and probably yeah. then like very yeah. culturally inappropriate. Holy shit, yes. <laughs> like it's I'm I'm very conflicted whenever I try to play it because <laughs> I have a lot of fond memories playing it and I've yeah. like played the multiplayer and I found it hilarious at the time. But now playing it... Is that one uh, you're tipping strippers? Or? Uh, there's a lot of similar kind of humor. Okay. But the the key is like you play this... You play this Asian... I, I can't... He His name is Lo Wang. And like... <sighs> same same guy that voiced Duke Nukem Forever. Or that voiced Duke Nukem voiced Lo Wang. Nice. And is like... The same... White heavily man. stereotypical. You know that <laughs> accent that you feel very uncomfortable ever doing because it's so inappropriate? That was in Daikatana, by the way. Oh, yeah. In Daikatana. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> but yeah the, the, yeah, the accent. 3D Realms, that was kind of their bread and butter, making highly offensive games. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that, was, that was one that they released in the interim. It just because it feels like it's... If they didn't, then yeah. where was the money coming from at that point? They were just still... The thing that blew me away was... Six, like I said, I haven't played Duke Nukem. Yeah. But I know all the lines. Like, you just hear the lines. Oh, yeah. And then last, or maybe two years ago, we were watching uh, They Live, the John Carpenter yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go and on. all those lines are in there. Like, they, like yeah. I came here to kick ass and chew bubble gum. <laughs> and I'm all out of gum. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's from this? <laughs> I didn't know that. Because I hadn't seen They Live before either. That was my first time seeing it. Hail to the king, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, the, that's the big line. Come 2007, the continued delays of Duke Nukem Forever caused friction between Miller and Broussard, obviously, mm. which led Broussard to really push to finish the game at this point. <laughs> Ten years later. <laughs> really give it a good, solid college try. Let's bring this home. Yeah. <laughs> After these dozens of people left, Broussard regrew the team including bringing, bringing on Brian Hook as project lead. Oh, Brian Hook uh, was and, involved. Oh, Hooky. <laughs> do you know Brian Hook? <laughs> no idea who he is. <laughs> we need the anyway, rest of you. The, point, the reason that I mentioned him by name is that he was the first person to tell Broussard that he couldn't add any more features. <laughs> Someone finally laid down the law. Probably should have brought him on like 10 years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On, on December 19th, 2007, the first trailer in six years was released, but no release date was given at that time. Well, when it's ready. You might have seen this, but this was just like a shot of Duke Nukem pumping iron and smoking a cigar. Really no gameplay or anything. <laughs> that sounds And then, familiar, 2008, in-game footage appeared on this show called The Jace Hall Show. I guess he just like did a grab bag of stuff on it, and he showed footage from Duke Nukem Forever. And like once again, you can find it on YouTube, <laughs> if this was the game that was released in 2008... It would have been great. Okay. <laughs> Still not there. Uh, again, if you put yourself in the context every time, like 98, that game, yep, bring it on. 2001, that game, awesome. Mm-hmm. 2008, that game, yes, please. <laughs> so at this point, another familiar theme comes up, and that's the theme of money. 
By this mm. point, Miller and Broussard had spent $20 million of their own money to make this game. <laughs> of their own money. Damn. Uh, they asked Take-Two software, uh, the, the distributor or their publisher, for $6 million to finish the game. Take-Two countered with $2.5 million, and 3D Realms rejected the offer in May of 2009. <laughs> so they suspended development, and my five bucks still sat at EB Games. <laughs> the Duke Nukem Forever staff were laid off because they didn't have any money. Uh, a few months later, Take-Two sued 3D Realms over their failure to hold up their end of the bargain, being, you know, <laughs> making a game in Producing exchange for the yeah, sure. $12 million that Take-Two gave them in yeah. 2000 for publishing rights. That might hold so, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As you can imagine, there's a lot of nastiness, but by, by 2010, the lawsuit was settled and dismissed. Uh, shortly after this, Gearbox Software, who made the Borderlands games, yep. picked up development of Duke Nukem Forever mm. and announced a release date of May 3rd, 2011. Okay. A mere 14 years later than the original planned release. Yeah, you know, when it's ready. <laughs> when it's ready. <laughs> and this time, they only they only delayed it by a month and it released on May 24th. <laughs> I can just picture the meetings at Gearbox like, and uh, Duke, Nukem, should we put this fucking thing out or what? Yeah, yeah all in favor, <laughs> I, okay. Anyway, on yeah. to Borderlands 2 talk, something we <laughs> give a shit about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the marketing side, they updated Duke Nukem's outdated misogyny by creating a website called BoobTube to promote the game, including videos and downloadable features, nice. such as a Flash game called Duke Nudum, where you would go through levels in a shooting gallery and get rewarded by having a model strip for every level you passed. <laughs> Just leaning into it. <laughs> I guess. Oh, yeah. 2011 at this point. Give the like, people what they want. <laughs> These oh people being like grown men who have families <laughs> now. Yeah. So anyway, the game finally comes out uh, and I am dying to hear Andy's thoughts. I'm dying to hear if you got your five bucks back. Well, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> okay. That there, There's a conclusion. Oh, nice. We'll, we'll see if it's satisfying or oh, not. Oh, good. I love a conclusion. But now, Andy... I, I was very happy to put you through this game, and I would love to hear your <laughs> thoughts about it. Over to you. I'll start by saying this. For anyone who's who listened to the Daikatan episode, mm -hmm. this experience wasn't as bad from a playing a game okay. perspective, like in terms okay. of the mechanics of the game, in terms of the game working properly, because oh, Daikatan okay. was just so shitty in terms right. of... <laughs> not, you know, not knowing where you were going like and, barely and things functional. that didn't work and those, the two non-player characters that have to follow you around and if they didn't follow mm. you, they got stuck, then you couldn't exit the level, all that kind of junk. <laughs> anyway. Nightmare. So this game, first of all, it's it looked better and it, it just played better, but I think my number one word for it would be derivative. Hmm. <laughs> all right. It's, it's trying to catch... All those years later, almost, yeah. what, almost 15 years later, something? Yeah, yeah like four, 14 years, basically, from yeah. announcement to... Right. It's trying yeah. to, like, play in that same space of, like, the 90s. Like, I feel like the thing about right. the Duke Nukem 3D, forget about the, the two side scrollers, but the, the yeah. 3D was, like, it is a pure 90s game. It's all about... Yeah. yeah. It, it kind of just captures the, that moment, and it's, like, in the this Duke Nukem Forever game, they tried to still kind of tap into that, but it's so far right. removed in right. every other way that it, you know, that we've all moved on kind of thing. And it's like, <laughs> we, we don't care about this anymore. The jokes aren't funny. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. And, and 
I don't know, the, the, the swearing and the nudity that's in the game and this kind of stuff. Right. I don't care. It's not, <laughs> it's not impressive. It doesn't make me chuckle. It doesn't, right. it doesn't like, and it doesn't get me more interested because I'm not right. a teenage boy or a preteen boy now playing right. this game anymore. Looking for pixelated boobies. It's not novel anymore, right? It's not novel Like I remember anymore. Duke yeah. 3D came out and it was a, li- a little bit of that was like, oh wow, you can put like boobs in a video game? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that but, one, yeah. I remember like in that game, in Duke Nukem 3D, and I actually, I actually Google imaged, or go- did a Google image search because mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure. But mm-hmm. you would put, you would see your hand on screen with like money in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then the, the sprite stripper character would take yeah. her, her bikini top off, but they'd yeah. have tassels on their nipples. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. It didn't have yeah. true nudity. Yeah. In this, in this game, uh, Duke Nukem Forever, mm-hmm. that's not the case. Like it is actually, oh, okay. um, I mean, still it's right. animated, but it's sure. like, they don't have, <laughs> I guess they don't have the same sensors or the same, um, Right. Yeah. You know, rule book that they have to right. play by the rating code or whatever it is. Uh-huh. So right. there's all there's way more swearing, you know, much more swearing and and nudity in it. And there's one part in the game where the the entire level just takes place in the strip. I guess it's you own the strip club or something, or it's okay. <laughs> I don't know. So like you walk around. There's no enemies in it. It's not like a, a level where you fight anybody, but you have to walk around and talk to a few people to get yeah, just gawking. Yeah, to move on to the next level. And then the strippers are yeah. around the, the, you know, the club and they're like, hey, yeah. Duke, you hear like dialogue, like, hey, Duke, yeah. you want to come upstairs with me? And then there's all these, you know, sexual innuendos and stuff. And it's really, yeah. like, right. really, really put on. So in that aspect of it, it's kind of like embarrassing to play it as an adult. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and to think it's, back. You don't want like, somebody okay. to look over your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel weird about playing the earlier game when I was a kid because whatever it was right. of the time, but it's yeah. just now this one, it's like, no, I don't care for this. <laughs> so that part is all weird. And, um, yeah. and then the other aspect of it is like the game itself is just, it's boring. You know, like it's, <laughs> it's, I was trying to play it in the context of it's not from today. It's, it's old now. Yeah. Yeah. But 10 years. Yeah. 10 yeah. years out. So the graphics are still like decent, I guess, but they're not amazing. You know, I think anyone would play this game and think like, it's, you know, it's kind of limited in some of the graphics right. capability capabilities and also just the gameplay. Like it works well. You go from point A to point B and you just yep. keep going from point A to point B. There's no upgrading char- your character. You get right. the same. It's pretty much the same weapons as the as Duke 3D. And yep. they're just back again. You know, you get like yeah. the ones we were talking about earlier. You get the shotgun or you get the, um, the um, double barrel rocket launcher kind of thing. And all oh, this. yeah. Okay, cool. So and the pipe bombs are back. So it's kind of like it's fun for a few minutes while you're like, oh yeah, this gun, I remember yeah. this one or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. the jet pack and all that. But it's pretty, um, it's pretty limited in it's, in I think what it's trying to do. Like it's not, maybe it's not trying to do anything or they ran out of time and money to make it beyond <laughs> just, I've got to go from this yeah, point to this Yeah, time is something point. they ran out of. They didn't run yeah. out of time. I can tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Right. But yeah, um, yeah I know what you mean. But then the other thing about it that's, I, I feel like they tried to do a, a couple of sequences that were unique or neat, mm-hmm. um, something different. So for example, in one point, at one point you are driving like a monster truck around in, in the Grand Canyon. 
Cool. And hmm. I appreciate the fact that they're trying to, you know, you've done so much first person shooter kind of walking around the levels. Yeah. They're trying to change it up by getting sure. you into a vehicle and you go from first person to kind of third person overhead yeah. view and you're driving around. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of yeah. it's kind of neat, but again, it wears out pretty quickly because in that case, the the controls really get annoying. Like to steer, right, yeah. you're steering with your A and D keys on the keyboard, like left yeah, and right. Yeah. So it's yeah. just kind of like a bit limited. And then that's always tricky when games try to throw in like something that's off genre. Yeah. Like you guys, you guys don't make driving games. Exactly. So driving's not going to be that. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I didn't come here to be a race car driver, man. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other, the other part that's kind of, I guess, neat is they, we talked about the shrinking and the shrink yep. ray from yep. the original yep. Yep. game or the Duke 3D yep. game. And they have it again in this game and they have it uh, where you get shrunken down to a small size. Oh, cool. And there's a couple of levels where that comes into play. And that was probably like the one highlight. There's a level where, so this is a universe in which you finish the story of the game. Is it, you know, the Duke 3D game, you're a, a, a world, world worldwide hero now. Everybody knows yeah. who you are. You have, you live in Las Vegas. You have a whole, you live in like the penthouse of the, of the a casino. Yeah. You've got these, you know, stripper girlfriends or whatever. And <laughs> you're like the, you are the king, you know? So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and you also have like a chain of burger restaurants called Duke Burger. So in one of the levels, <laughs> okay. you end up you end up like crashing. You know, you're in a fight with some aliens, and you crash into a Duke Burger restaurant, and right. that's where you get shrunk down into in while you're in the the kitchen of this fast food restaurant. So it's kind oh, of okay, neat be because cool. you have to yeah. be small, and you have to kind of go around the kitchen, and oh, you yeah. you've got to jump over the the uh, flat top. Um, you know, grill or whatever and yeah, like yeah, don't yeah, get yeah. burned and jump over that you bounce off the ketchup bottle to like Okay, that's pretty cool. Get onto the next platform. It's kind of neat. Again, it's you wouldn't want to play it a second time, but it's <laughs> it's a moment of <laughs> it's like yeah. for a change and for a change, you know? After like five right. five for levels within of, the game. Yeah. Exactly. I guess that's not what you yeah. want. It's like, oh thank God I don't have to play this game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> For five levels of, of first-person shooter nonsense, and then, oh, okay, there's this kind of, like, fun... Yeah. What would it be like to be Ant-Man kind of idea? <laughs> yeah, that's cool. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of neat. You know, I didn't finish the game because I got stuck DNA. at one point, DNA. and I DNA. did not finish. <laughs> and um, I only recently, uh, as of this morning, of this yeah. recording, I decided yeah. to give it another shot, and I actually made it past the part where I got stuck. Nice. which was one of those monster truck sequences by the way and oh, I, I made it now pretty far like i'm i'm a few levels shy of the boss battle i right. guess yeah. okay so i mean i'm not going to miss anything by not finishing it i think that's fine <laughs> uh, well i was going to ask so that's the big that's kind of interesting that's kind of the test are you going to finish it or are you just going to abandon it <laughs> i don't know maybe <laughs> i will maybe far. i will and then i can i can you know, follow up with you guys and tell you, and yeah. maybe you can you can put it on the podcast that I that yeah. I did. The thing is about the game <laughs> we'll is give like you some kind of purpose for it, so you can. <laughs> let's say, yeah, exactly. Let's say the game was amazing. Let's say that mm -hmm. all the things that I said criticisms were not true. Yeah. Then, in that way, it would work really, really well as like a as a sequel to the the previous game. It's the right. same like group of aliens, you know, that yep. come to to Earth and whatever, but like. It just, there's too much working against it, I think, to make it mm -hmm. enjoyable. 
Right. And I can't imagine anyone who's not familiar with the game, the first game, I mean, to right. to have cared. You know, it wouldn't have that, any appeal, I don't think. Totally. Thinking about it, like, yeah, I, I imagine nearly 100% of the people that bought a copy are people that are familiar with Duke 3D. Yeah, of course. They're like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I got a... Some more Almost a duty, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to yeah. I want to say one last thing about the... Um, about the game and that's really mm -hmm. when it comes to the you know i'm not a prude or anything but mm -hmm. when it comes to some of the the nudity and the, the yeah. objectifying of women and it, it's kind mm -hmm. of it's pretty brutal really some of the parts yeah. <laughs> like the game there's a one part of the game so the game starts yeah. at the end of duke 3d like they basically yeah. recreate the end the boss battle Okay. So the game starts and you're fighting the boss that you did in that game. And then it's revealed mm -hmm. you, you beat him. Like it makes it pretty easy for you to, to mm -hmm. beat the, the final boss of that game. But then it's revealed mm -hmm. that you've been playing it on a, on a VR headset or something or on like a Xbox. So it's kind of meta. It's okay. like, it's yeah, like yeah. in this universe, Duke Nukem killed all these aliens. He, he saved the world. And then they made a video game out of his experience. Oh, I see. Yeah. And now yeah, he's right. in his he's new video it. game but he's playing the video game of his own right. adventure. Yep. And while he's playing that, you look down. I mean, you, it, the camera kind of focuses down and there's basically mm -hmm. two girls. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it just goes from that point onward with, mm -hmm. like it's beyond just crude humor. It's kind of like- Just unnecessary. It's yeah. unnecessary and it's kind of like- No purpose. I don't know. It's like, I wouldn't want my nephews to play this game, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, know. Right. yeah. So, so that kind of stuff is one part. And then, as I said, the humor is just kind of like, it's not there anymore. So right. there's always, the, we've been talking about some of the quotes and stuff and like they doubled down in this one. They really, right. because in the first, in the Duke 3D, you know, like I imagine that in the size of the game, they only had so much space to allow for the, the right. audio right. aspect of it. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Yeah. Yeah. So in this one, they've really doubled down on this. What's the guy's name? John Johnson? Or John St. John. John St. John. Yeah. I don't know if it's him again, but basically. I think it is. Yeah. He, they've got him saying so many stupid lines and like groaner one-liners or, or these kind of movie ripoff quotes in that voice that he has, which eventually, yeah. and then they repeat, like it's not just once and done. It's like, oh, depending like on the battle, yeah. you might hear them again right. over yeah. and over again. So like the one, th the one of the main enemies is, are these, um, pig, like warthog type yeah. cop, but they're in LAPD cop uniforms yeah. and it's like, oh, pig, co uh, police officers are pigs. Okay. Like that's, a, that was a great joke in the nineties. <laughs> um, right. but anyway, so just for those alone, like pork chop sandwiches like when you blow them up with a pipe bomb <laughs> right you know or like or you yeah or you shoot them with a rocket launcher i guess pigs do fly like just stupid <laughs> really stupid stuff like that you know so you can actually just google duke nukem forever quotes right okay. and there's like you know the website fandom.com you can just yep. find loads and loads of them and then just read them in that voice that kind yeah. of, hey, the king is yeah. back, baby. And you, <laughs> yeah, can just, yeah, yeah. you can just imagine really hearing, them, hearing them as you play for hours on end and how boring mm -hmm. and like annoying it would get. Yeah. Just, to yeah. Hear them <laughs> just a failure to evolve, I guess. Right. Yeah. Thanks for that, uh, thanks for that recap, Andy. Um, I'm not sorry for putting you through that. 
<laughs> no, I mean, I would say um, in conclusion, yep. out of uh, enjoyment level, I'd say out of 10, oh. it's probably a two. Wow. Oh, boy. Low marks. Where was, I don't know if we did, where was Daikatana? Oh, zero. Okay. okay. <laughs> zero, maybe 0.5 just for... No redeemable qualities. Okay. Just because it was it's it, such a weird experience because that game is so bad. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's surreal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This was a two, maybe two and a half. Okay. Yeah. okay. Fair enough. Okay. Well, when it was released, as you can imagine, reviews were not great. No, no way. Most magazines placed it on their worst of the year list. <laughs> Top complaints were long loading times, unresponsive controls, and shock of all shocks, the offensive humor. Oh, yeah. Can't imagine. Hmm. Another thing that fell flat was the pop culture references, which were done so well in Duke Nukem 3D. Like we just talked, like Andy was just saying, like in Duke 3D, they were a cornerstone of the game. Like, right. It was so cool, like playing that game and being like, oh, it's the Doom Marine. Oh, it's the Terminator. Like that's, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because again, those are fairly contemporary references at that point. Mm-hmm. Here, they're making references to like early 2000s movies, which again... Would have hit their mark if the game had come out <laughs> in like 1998 or 2001 or even 2008, mm-hmm. like a couple years earlier. On average, game reviewers scored Duke Nukem Forever on the 50% mark, saying things like, quote, the joy of the game's shooting has been flattened and few of the locations inspired the sort of exploration and excitement that made Duke 3D such a memorable, memorable experience. Mm. I think PC Gamer, who actually gave it a positive review, probably put it best. Quote, after hearing about it for 12 years, I have no desire to relive any of it again. I'm now satisfied in my knowledge of what Duke Nukem Forever is and ready to never talk about it again. <laughs> which, wow. which is great because, again, like it, it, it seems like they set out to, like they locked themselves into Duke Nukem 3D, but again, and didn't really age that well. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, as you can imagine, the game was highly criticized for its portrayal of women. There was a multiplayer mode called Capture the Babe, where it's like Capture the Flag, but you have to run and capture the other, like this this woman standing on the other side of the map <laughs> and just like grab her and bring her back to your side of the map. 2011? Like, <laughs> yeah. Come on. Unbelievable. Um, and there's also another level. I don't know if you got to this level, Andy, but there was a, I guess there's a hive level that features women that were forcibly impregnated by the aliens. Yeah, that level <laughs> was of, you, terrible. You have and to kill them. You have to kill them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, so stupid. Not, not only was it creepy because it's like all slimy and like the texture yeah. of the walls and stuff is like this alien nest kind of thing, but it's like, yeah. then you got to those parts where it's just like, you had, and I think you had to do it like you couldn't progress right. unless you, killed them it was really yeah weird. it just m- didn't make me feel very good <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like offensive necessarily it's just dumb well yeah like it's yeah. just stupid yeah yeah um so the game sold uh 376 000 units in its first month but july 2011 gearbox announced that sales were about half of what they expected <laughs> some might say nearly 400,000 sales is a lot uh, some might even say it's fucking astonishing that they sold that many <laughs> yeah. copies, but some might say, you know, some might say that mm-hmm. some <laughs> on this podcast might say that <laughs> yeah. some might agree <laughs> to, to date Duke Nukem forever holds the Guinness world record for longest development period for a game at 14 years and 44 days from announcement <laughs> to release. <laughs> well, they Which, were the best at something. I mean, <laughs> I mean, at least I didn't 
take that long <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be a piece of shit. So in 2015, Gearbox said that they had an early concept for a new Duke Nukem game. But in 2017, they confirmed that they have no interest in returning to the franchise. <laughs> Probably a good call. Uh, apparently, there were also plans for a movie along the way, like multiple times. At one point, John Cena was rumored to be in it as Duke. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I just I just don't see, like we talked about it, I don't, I don't see a place for Duke Nukem anymore. Duke Nukem 3D was the quintessential sort of low-key rebellious teenager game. Right. I'm not mm. I'm not rebellious enough to like do drugs or like go out drinking, but I will play this game that's got violence and boobs yeah. in that yeah. language. Yeah, 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 you know yeah. what I mean? So I was like, that, that was kind of, you know, cool at the time. It was co- it was like uh, I'm not gonna play Mario Brothers three with the cute right. yeah. you know <laughs> I princess play and the new yeah. toad I'm edgy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I actually also remember at the time it, it I, I do have to give credit where it's due. It sort of sparked a lot of the multiplayer that still sort of lives on. I remember we installed it on our elementary school's computer lab computers, and we would actually like go into school early before school to <laughs> multiplayer play Duke 3D <laughs> and Lee, that would have been among other people, Tim and Norm. And Alex was there. Nice. The usual. I don't think Andy did. I don't remember that, but I'm not no. surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised that it happened. <laughs> and, and, and Andy was, uh, I'm not, I'm not like, it's not a dig, but Andy was cool and uh, we were not. So we were in the computer lab at 7 a.m. playing Duke 3D. Right. Andy was sleeping off a hangover. No. <laughs> at 12 years at old. 12 years old. That's how cool he was. <laughs> Too much soda. Oh, man. <laughs> so, in closing, the major warranted criticism of Duke Nukem Forever and Duke 3D, looking back on it, is the crazy misogyny. Mm. Uh, I think if Forever had released back in 1998 or even 2001, they would have garnered enough success to keep the franchise going, and I think Duke might have had the opportunity to evolve over time. You know, it's Duke 3D so, sort of caught on, and if they had just released that game and been like, okay, that was fun, let's make another one, and then let's make another one, over time... They would have the opportunity to sort of read the room and maybe course correct yeah. and not have Duke Nukem be stuck as like the 1996 Duke Nukem, who's a crazy misogynist. <laughs> yeah, instead, they the Duke Forever locked itself into the mid-90s tone and just completely pushed forward and was totally out of touch. That's yeah. definitely the impression that I got. Yeah. It's like the person who enjoyed it when... They were age, like you guys were like 12 or 13 and then liked it even more. Like the fact that it pushed way beyond in 2011. Like, I don't want to meet that person. No, no. (laughs) I still have every now and then, like every couple of years, I'll boot, I'll boot up Duke 3D and I, I enjoy it Yeah, from like a nostalgic perspective and it's still a fun game. Yep. But it's not like it's not the first game my son's gonna play. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it sounds very much like a time and a place kind of thing. Yeah, it like is. Most yeah. things are. Yeah. You know, you can't. And it always was, and they shouldn't have ever made this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> In closing, that's the story of my greatest pop culture lesson. And where is my fucking money, EB Games? <laughs> I never got it back. Jesus I never got Christ. the game and I never got it back. Because by that time, by the time this game came out, buying physical games stopped existing. <laughs> so, wow. They just kept my $5. And not only that, you had to you had to spend more because you had to buy me a copy yep. on Steam right. so I could play it. 
because I was not going to spend my own money on this garbage. So you're in the hole. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's right. Fuck. Pretty rums. Come on. You owe me some money. You owe Peter money. (laughs) Oh, man. Anyway, so that's the story of Duke Nukem Forever. Do we have music for that? Who wants to go first? Yeah, I got a song. So um, my pick this week is a band called Local H. Okay. Uh, They're from Chicago, I think, or actually Zion, Illinois. They're kind of like grunge's last band standing almost okay. like they were sort right. of mid 90s started out and they're still going uh yeah. they're a duo and the guitar player sort of rigs his guitar to also sound like a bass super okay. cool i mean they've got a ton of albums anyway the song i picked yeah. is from their uh, third album called pack up mm-hmm. the cats and the song is called all the kids are right okay and it basically describes they're sort of in this faux autobiographical way describing a concert of theirs where they're just sucking so bad and the audience is basically turning their back on them and just right. seeing them for what they really are and just going like, <laughs> nope, this isn't going to cut it. So that's, nice. that seemed appropriate. And it's it's a really amazing and and anthematic, anthemet, anthemic, anthemic. anthemic song. Nice. It's great. Check it out. Awesome. And okay. it came out in 1998, which is one of the proposed oh, release dates for uh, the first uh, <laughs> proposed release date, I believe. Oh, boy. Yeah, sure. that's DNF, right. DNF. There you go. That, that's awesome. And you probably heard a bunch of us now. Yeah. I'll go next. So for me, I actually, it's a uh, the band that I mentioned at the beginning. It's Bush X. Right. Always Bush, Bush X. X. I know that it's Bush now, but it's Bush X. That'll always be um, Bush X. The album is 16 Stone from uh, 94. Yeah. Uh, and the song is Everything Zen. Right. Uh, and that's just first first song on that album. Honestly, I picked this because this is the music that I was listening to when I played Duke 3D. Sure. Makes like, that's, perfect sense to me. That, it just like I listened to that album and I'm like, I, I want to go over to Tim's house and play Duke Nukem 3D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or I want to I wanna wake up early and go to the computer lab and play multiplayer <laughs> Duke Nukem 3D with all my friends. Yeah. <laughs> is that the one where he talks about his asshole brother? that one of the lyrics uh, yes I think so yeah that's yeah. pretty I yeah. mean I really didn't like that band at the time but when I hear yeah. that song now I'm like that's, that song's not too bad yep yeah. it's I, I've lost objectivity about them sure. because they're like they were no, one of your time, bands yeah they were they were essentially like for, in my listening they were right alongside like Nirvana at the time right you know, I've, it's I've time and place. Modified my opinion over time, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I still like them though. But yeah, any, sure, I, like sure. I, I, I recognize it Nirvana. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it, it's also funny. So I would I used to listen to that album while making maps for Duke 3D because they released the game oh, okay. and the engine at the same time, and yeah, I actually yeah. got pretty good at making maps. <laughs> I was involved in like if anybody's listening. If you ever played the Starship Troopers Total Conversion for Duke 3D, I made a bunch of maps for that, mostly <laughs> for the multiplayer game. Nice. But uh, I would basically make maps and listen to 16 Stone uh, alongside like dance mixes and Nirvana. <laughs> dance mixes and Nirvana. Look, my musical mm-hmm. taste has always been the equivalent of like reaching and grabbing a like a fistful of jelly beans and just eating them all at the same time. <laughs> that's that's an how I've always consumed analogy. music. I like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that's that's my musical choice. Cool. Uh, Andy, you got one? I do have one. All right. You know, a big part of the game, the, not so much Duke 3D, but in the Duke Forever, it's like a lot of like American pride. There's a lot of right. stars and stripes everywhere. And he's like, yep. it's America. Like, I'm from Las Vegas. That's one of his lines. Like, I'm from Las Vegas and I'm here to kill you or something like that. So anyway. <laughs> Clever. So I was thinking Clever. like, what, what artist is like a complete jackass, you know, <laughs> rub it in your face and... Right. 
guess what? His name is Kid Rock. Oh, <laughs> from the year 2000, nice. the song American Badass. Oh, nice. Which features a few lines that could be right at home, you know, being quoted by Duke Nukem, for right. example. Oh I'm an American badass. Watch me mm-hmm. kick. You can roll with rock or you can suck my lollipop. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then God. he says, I'm going nice. to F some hoes. After mm-hmm, I rock mm-hmm. this place, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. These kinds of lines that are just like... A song written by Duke Nukem. Yeah. A song is basically that. Kindred spirits, so, the two of them. Wow. Jesus. It's, uh, oh, he, should have, he should have done the soundtrack for the game. <laughs> yeah, he really should have. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> it's, it really sums it up. Don't play the game. Just listen to that song. <laughs> <Just listen> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll get the experience. And uh, you you may or may not have heard a bunch of that song right now, depending on whether I want to listen to it while I'm editing this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Hey, when the when oh. the hotel the the fictional hotel that you live in as Duke Nukem is instead of being called the Bellagio, like the real mm-hmm. hotel in Vegas, it's called yep. the Fallacio. Fallacio. Oh, for yeah. fuck's sake! That's, I was a, that's a real part of the game. Subtlety <laughs> be damned. Wow. You know what okay. you're getting into. <laughs> well, let's keep waiting for Duke Nukem 5. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was, so that was a disaster. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for trial. Thanks to Trial Andy for trying all of that. <laughs> um, yeah. Is there another is there another season of Trial in the works? We're hindered by COVID. Well, so obviously, yeah. As, but, as, as yeah. are a many a thing. But I think once yeah. we're out of the woods on that, well, I can see us starting up again. We did a Sweet. little sneak, we did a kind of a sneaky little episode around Christmas. Yeah, yeah, I think I, yeah. I saw that one. Yeah, but um, and yeah, so in case you guys don't know, try, uh, Lee and Trial Andy, as we call him, we call him Trial Andy because he's, they've got a YouTube show called Try All and Error, where they try show or where I guess Lee and our other friend Mike uh, tries food that they haven't tried before and rates it. Yeah, and it's hilarious. So check that out. It's on YouTube. Just look up Try All and Error. Yeah, check it's, it out. It's awesome. And if you liked what you just heard on this podcast, the best thing you can do to help us out is to tell a friend to listen. And maybe don't take 14 years and 44 days to do it. Maybe do it right now. You know what? Put Gather your thoughts, put it together, and when it's good enough, go ahead and tell them about the podcast. Yeah. Don't wait. Don't wait. Just pull the trigger. Strike while the iron's hot. Yeah. yeah. And in general, if you're sitting if you're sitting on something, just, just release it. You know? Just let it go. Yeah. Let it go into the wild. The next one will be better. It's <laughs> <laughs> good advice. You can you can also, uh, as I say, sitting on uh, those gulls EP for seven. Yeah, years. follow your own advice. <laughs> Four years. years. Anyway, <laughs> the next best thing you can do to help us out is to su- is subscribe and leave a rating or review. Uh, you can also follow us on social media at this disaster pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Check out our website www.thisdisasterpod.com and our patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. We can uh, become a patron, get micro disasters every two weeks, and other cool stuff. Uh, and I think that's pretty much all I had to say, uh, unless Lee got anything to add. Um, okay, real quick, I wanted to say yeah. um, I yeah. finally started diving into our friend Craig Baird's uh, From John to Justin podcast. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. where he fo- every single episode po- focuses on a different Canadian prime minister. Uh, he does all of them, and it's so good. So check it out. I'm listening to it on Spotify, but it's it's everywhere. And I'm I'm just started uh, Wilfred Laurier. I'm enjoying oh, nice. it. So uh, it's nice. very informative and uh, very well done. So check it out. Sweet. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I was expecting something like drenched in sarcasm. I not about Craig, but I just mean in general. <laughs> <laughs>
expecting to. I don't. I don't know where you get that from. That was very nice. That was very nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that's pretty much it. So uh, thanks, and we'll see you in our next disaster. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.